In this segment, we welcome Dario Forte, founder and chief executive officer at DF Labs. We discuss the SOAR market, its maturity, and why an easy to integrate platform is key. To learn more about DF Labs, please visit www.dflabs.com forward slash security weekly. In the leadership and communication segment, why the tech industry needs a moral compass, nine out of 10 people are willing to make less money to do more meaningful work, distill your message to 15 words and more. Business Security Weekly starts now. This is Security Weekly, for security professionals, by security professionals. Broadcasting live from G-Unit Studios in Rhode Island, it's the show where we explore the business of security to improve the security of business. Your trusted source for actionable insights on leadership, communication, and innovation. Get ready for Business Security Weekly. Today's determined attackers easily bypass even the most advanced network defenses. Trying to ramp up staff to detect their back doors can cost thousands of dollars and take months, even years. With Active Countermeasures AI Hunter, we enable junior analysts to detect even the most advanced back doors in a matter of hours. Sign up for a demo and purchase our product today by visiting activecountermeasures.com forward slash BSW. Active Countermeasures, make every analyst a hunter. Rapid7 powers the practice of SecOps. Using shared data, analytics, and automated workflows, SecOps unites IT, DevOps, and security teams to make security an outcome of innovation. Rapid7 combines technology, expertise, and advocacy to drive vulnerability management, application security, incident detection, and log management for more than 7,000 organizations worldwide. Power up your SecOps practice with a free trial at rapid7.com forward slash security weekly. Do you have a website, an external presence, employees, an office? Any of these things can be compromised and attacked. How are you defending your assets? Have you penetration tested your public assets? Start 2018 by taking a proactive approach to securing your vulnerable areas. Black Hills Information Security has been helping companies find their weaknesses since 2008. Email consulting at blackhillsinfosec.com and see how they can help you sleep better at night. Welcome to Business Security Weekly. This is episode number 106, recorded November 12th, 2018. We are observing Veterans Day today. I'm your host, Matt Alderman, here in Colorado with about six inches of snow, joined by my co-host, Paul Asadorian and G-Unit Studios in Rhode Island. Welcome, hey, Paul. thanks, Matt. It's good to be here. It's nice to, uh, I got in the office a little late, but good to be here recording shows. And nice that we have, that we didn't talk about it, but we have matching goatees, which I think is nice. I don't know what prompted that, we're but we're, I don't know. It's it's like a thing. We'll see I how think it goes. it's No Shave November. No Shave November. Actually, just... that is what prompted it, yes. Yes, so. I think so. All right. If you're interested in quality over quantity and having meaningful conversations instead of just a badge scan, join us April 1st to 3rd at Disney's Contemporary Resort at InfoSec World 2019, where you can connect and network with like-minded individuals in search of actionable information. Use the registration code OS19-SECWEEK for 15% off the main conference or World Pass. All right. I want to welcome our guest today. Dario Forte is the founder and chief executive officer at DF Labs. Dario has over 20 years of experience in incident response and cyber investigations and started his career as a member of the Italian police, where he worked closely with well-known U.S. government agencies such as NASA. He is one of the co-editors of three ISO standards. Dario, welcome to Business Security Weekly. It's a pleasure for me to be here. 
So I love Italy and I know you're in Italy now. Mm -hmm. So I'm just, I'm, I'm jealous actually. Oh yeah, you should. Mm -hmm. and, uh, we don't have snow now, but uh, it's a very pleasant uh, autumn. So it's a, you know, one of the rare moments I'm in my house. So it's, it's, uh, it's a very pleasant night. Very good. So let's start a little bit with your background. You've done some work uh, for police forces, instant response, um, written some uh, ISO standards. Kind of give us a, a little bit of the of your career, your journey um, to where you are today at DF Labs. Yeah, I started in uh, in the police, and uh, it was a pretty uh, interesting thing. Uh, uh, my first uh, um, activity was in the, the drug enforcement unit. I spent uh, almost seven years over there, uh, traveling all over the world. And uh, I spent also one year of my career in that period in South America, as I speak Spanish. And uh, then I moved into organized crime unit. And in the last five years uh, of my career before leaving the, the agency in 2003, I was responsible for the high-tech crime unit, which was also responsible for uh, lawful interception and uh, hacking and cyber terrorism case. Then I left the agency and then I uh, changed the career for a period, I will say a long period, I was uh, adjunct professor at the University of Milano in the incident response and forensic field. And I also started to uh, you know, started the business uh, initially as a consultant, and then we pivoted the, the company uh, in 2012 from pure uh, uh, service shop into uh, uh, case management for incident response and then into SOAR. So it's a pretty fluid career of the last 20 years. And as I, I as you said, uh, I'm also still working with the ISO uh, three uh, standards of the SC27 family already released and uh, a new one is going to come out in January next year. You know what, uh, how small this field is in, I want to say it was 2003, I sent a PGP encrypted email to criminal investigators in Milan uh, because there was a systems administrator, it turned out, that was like leading this uh, crime ring that had broken into some systems at the university I was working for. And I had grabbed like all of their usernames and passwords to all of their FTP sites that had all of their tools. And I sent it in collaboration with Secret Service and uh, an investi criminal investigation team in Milan. And the person was actually prosecuted uh, and actually presented on that when I worked at the, at the university. So it, you Interesting. could have yeah. been involved uh, in that case at the time. <laughs> <laughs> we worked with the Secret Service a lot. So mm. uh, I know the dynamics. So it was interesting. Yes. And at that time... It was a little bit earlier, but uh, uh, you guys remember uh, Dave Dietrich from uh, yeah. University of Washington. Yeah, I worked, we were working with him at that time. It was pretty interesting uh, kind of cases, yes. Awesome. So DF Labs kind of migrated then from more of consultancy into products. So what was some of the inspiration behind what you're doing at DF Labs now? What was that market or technology problem you're trying to solve? Well, uh, the the main, you know, the haha -ha moment was when we heard uh, a number of CISOs uh, blaming uh, uh, the vendor world because nobody was uh, uh, proposing or building a platform able to uh, uh, help them to have cyber incidents under control, which was, by the way, one, one of our major models. And uh, so we intercepted, at that time it was mostly on the case management and the 
enhance the investigative support, mostly for chain of custody and so forth. And uh, I remember that we intercepted that. It was between 2010 and 2012. So we created the first automated case management for incident response. But then, by the way, at that time, we were also presenting it at the IETF, the Internet Engineering Task Force, because it was the period when the RFC 5070, the IODEF, came out. And it was one of the first actual real-world implementation of the 5070. In that case, it was the first version of the product. But then we understood that sooner or later, the market is going to look for uh, full automation, uh, not only of the human-centric process, but also of the machine process. So we introduced the, the new version of the product that's still called Inkman, but at that time it was Inkman NG, where basically we introduced the, uh, the concept of uh, uh, playbooks, uh, where basically we had a series of, uh, at that time, sequential actions that uh, people had to follow in order to conduct uh, uh, you know, RFC and standard-like uh, uh, kind of uh, activity. Then we evolved into pure machine-to-machine. -machine. So we evolved the, into the concept of runbooks, where basically uh, uh, now there are uh, automated uh, workflow that can put in touch machine and other machines where humans may or may not have the central, uh, let's say, authorization uh, a point, but we're basically the full automation technology. And this is something that probably pioneered the market because we we saw time after time, year after year, that the need for automation uh, uh, was growing. And now I will say that that is one of the uh, priorities for all the CISOs. Yeah, and in 2014, when I went to Tenable, this was one of the items we talked about. And Gartner was still kind of defining what security orchestration automation meant. Um, you know, they were asking a lot of questions back then about, you know, would you automate certain workflows and et cetera. And I was like, absolutely. I mean, I think it's the only way we can continue to evolve security and responding to security events. We just, there's not enough humans out there to do all this manually. So you saw that even a little earlier than that with, with what you were doing at DF Labs then. Um, so kind of talk me through how customers would typically engage then um, down this process of, of automation, because I think we're still in the early days of, of automating some of these tasks. Yeah, there is a, a, first of all, if you allow me to say, there is an anecdote about Gartner. It was 2012, uh, probably, and we briefed one of the major analysts of Gartner, which uh, now is doing something else over there. But we asked them at the end of the presentation what uh, uh, he, it was a gentleman, was uh, thinking about automating and uh, you know uh, uh, making some uh, preliminary automation, as you said, on the, on the incident response process. And the answer was, uh, no, it's a too narrow sector. Don't waste your time. Nobody's going to do it. It was 2012. And after one week, we got our first purchase order uh, from a big corporation in the US that uh, wanted uh, us to run a preliminary automation they sought. Uh, Gartner came a little bit out uh, in into the game a little bit later on. So as you said, in 2014, when uh, Anton Schwakin and other analysts were aware of the of the topic. Uh, getting back to your question, uh, there are two type of uh, of uh, uh, companies that at the moment are approaching automation: the less sophisticated, or probably the most uh, 
uh, cautious and conservative, and the more aggressive. The first one that may be over, also even big, uh, big corporation, uh, they prefer to uh, approach automation through a, uh, a, let's say, a gradual, a progressive journey. So they ask to, uh, uh, first of all, automate instructions, mostly for the level one analysts. And then they can measure the return on the investment in, uh, in a series of uh, parameters that I will be happy eventually to discuss, to, to discuss later on. But then when they understand that the maturity curve has been reached, then they push very quickly into the full automation where uh, the machine are automated instead of uh, the human tasks. Uh, the second category are uh, usually uh, companies that don't have that uh, uh, legacy need, so they can be directly aggressive on uh, towards the full automation. And these kind of people usually are, uh, uh, they have a very clear idea of what they want to automate. They usually come out with RFP or requirements that are more direct and more, uh, uh, let's say, less vague and generic. And those usually are the, the companies that give you, uh, listen to you, let's say, better compared with the first. Uh, we have a different approach because we have uh, the playbooks that can uh, match the first category, but also the runbook that are actually most uh, mostly towards the automation. So it really depends from the type of maturity curve. But the interesting thing is that uh, size of the company doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. There are big, big companies that are still early stage, and that actually matches what you just said, Matt. But there are even smaller companies that are very aggressive and they want to automate. And the interesting thing is that there are also there is also a growing number of MSSPs that are looking at this uh, for serious of reason, especially especially C-level are interested uh, in a series of KPI that uh, they understand how they can reach only maintain only with uh, with automation dario it's, yeah. it's interesting as you know matt and i and all the hosts here track the market you know we saw that early uh, adoption and talk of automation and as we've progressed you know there's a lot of people that are early adopters and a lot of people that are like oh my god automation scares me i've been burned by that before to today where now you see all of these vendors in various categories going oh we have orchestration and automation and response in our products that we just built it in well, what are some things that go into the decision between using more of a dedicated solution such as yours in incident response and forensics and saying, oh, I'm going to use what comes from my SIM provider or uh, you know, my threat intelligence provider? What are some of those differentiators and things that go into those decisions on which platform to start using? Well, uh, we cover the entire spectrum. So we are uh, absolutely not just uh, leaning towards uh, incident response and forensics, but for example, we handle... Uh, uh, you know, the threat intelligence integration, mm -hmm. the, the containment, and uh, also the reporting. Uh, and uh, uh, our experience is that customers are less interested in having a feature from their current providers. For example, they may have some proposal from the phishing vendor or mm. uh, the GRC vendor or the TI vendor that claim to have a SOAR, but then they understand that they just can get some playbook out of it, but they don't have the, the, the global picture. And when they talk to us instead, uh, they realize that they can get a platform. The platform approach is currently the most preferred by customers. 
and I would say also by investors. Investors prefer not to invest in a feature kind of startup or company. They prefer to have a, uh, a, a company that is able to cover the entire spectrum. Uh, we mentioned Gartner before. Gartner presented an interesting paper of, uh, on SOAR uh, some months ago, and uh, they have three categories mm -hmm. uh, on uh, on uh, uh, one is the SOA, the security automation and orchestration, straight and purely that. The second is the SERP, which is mostly the case management, and the third one is the TIP, which is uh, playbooks and runbooks built upon uh, threat intelligence. Mm -hmm. Those are, if you take those singularly, uh, those are features. So market is instead uh, moving towards the platform where which is where actually we are trying to position ourselves, which is mostly a, uh, a platform that is able uh, to cover the entire spectrum. This is where the customers are currently looking for. And you have proof of this when you read through the RFP and also when you speak with CISO about the type of value that they are looking for. That's one of the concerns I've had with um, the analysts. They kind of take a market and try to break it up into different parts. But when you do that, you create a, a new kind of category that sits on top to actually bring the three back together. So why break it up in the first place? Mm. Um, it's always been an interesting one for me, right? Is is if you if you can address all the use cases here, why why do I have to create three separate submarkets for them? Why not just go after orchestration automation as a whole across the entire spectrum? So always interesting. I, I have an idea. Of this the reason is why the reason is that vertical vendors they need to innovate and they need to keep pace with platform vendors. So they are creating uh, their micro feature uh, um, capability within their proposal, value proposition, in order to uh, keep pace uh, with, uh, uh, with what the platform vendor are doing. But if you look at the RFP and the customer interaction, number of vertical vendors that are able to sell their automation or let's say uh, respectfully the, their SOAR component is absolutely little compared with the platform vendors and if, because at the end of the day the platform vendors that compete on RFP are usually the five to the seven vendors so uh, uh, and we don't usually cross feature uh, type of products. Dara, I think that's fantastic insights, and I'll, I'll back that up. When I worked for the university, as an example, I would find new platforms, and I'm like, we could benefit from this. And typically, the first response, as you know, I, I worked in the network engineering group because back then there wasn't a separate security group, right? The network engineering group would be great, you know, like we've got a, a vendor, whether that be Cisco or I mean, Juniper or whoever it was, that oh, they have those features, so you don't need to go buy that whole new thing. And then we'd try that feature and we'd realize that there's limitations. And I think so many of us that work in security have run up against that where you try and use some of these extra features that are built on and you very quickly find that they don't meet all of your requirements and that you're better off finding a dedicated platform to integrate that for something as critical, I think, as SOAR has become today. Yes, and uh, again, uh, you have proof of this when you speak to CISO and when they shortlist uh, uh, vendors for for their, uh, for their RFP and uh, uh, their procurement process in general, usually uh, the, the requirements uh, that are set up by the CISOs and the technical people into the RFP uh, are automatically excluding vertical vendors mm. uh, from that kind of selection.
Yeah, it, it happens all the time. Matt and I saw that in vulnerability management. They would just give away a vulnerability scanner as part of another, you know, product. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it doesn't, it's not even yeah. close to what you have, right? Awesome. Matt, exactly. sorry, more questions? Yeah, so when we think about a platform vendor, there are things that, you know, the covering the broad use cases, I think you uh, had a press release last week on the uh, open integration framework, right? Talk a little bit about what the open integration framework allows people to do when it comes to DF labs and the platform and, and addressing SOAR. We discovered in the past uh, uh, 12 months that uh, the, one of the most uh, recurring questions from the CISO that we speak with is how much we will be depending uh, from you uh, if we want to build uh, integration with uh, new tools or with part of the existing ecosystem that is not part of, uh, of uh, our procurement at the moment. And uh, uh, we understood that uh, we may uh, make the difference if we were allowing uh, uh, people to create their own integration without being, uh, uh, allow me to say, slave of the vendor. Uh, because before uh, vendors were uh, you know, the, the, the checkpoint in case uh, a new integration was uh, needed. And there are still sore vendors that are charging uh, um, companies for each integration that they are uh, required to do. We have a different approach. We said, why don't we, we create an open uh, platform where basically everybody that can write their own integration without needing the F labs, let's put it in, in, in an open way. Let's put it part of a also, uh, let's say, free module for existing customer and part of uh, a community edition that, by the way, we are launching very soon. So everybody will get access to it uh, without, uh, uh, without becoming slave of the F labs. And the interesting thing is that Another thing that we discovered is that uh, the number of uh, uh, um, CISOs that have SOC people that are skilled on uh, scripting languages it's, is, very, is very little. So another problem that we tried to solve is that how we can make this integration framework easy uh, and not only open. So we created a um, meta layer where basically uh, everybody can write integration in a very simple way, in a very granular way with a very almost no little, uh, excuse me, no need of uh, uh, scripting language uh, knowledge. Uh, that is uh, disruptive uh, from my standpoint because uh, for two reasons. First, again, customer can uh, uh, um, directly uh, touch the openness and the and the flexibility of the uh, the uh, the architecture. By the way, our SOAR uh, use cases are not limited to uh, to pure cyber incidents. We have uh, uh, banks that are using it not only for cyber, but also for cyber frauds, uh, integrating mm. it with mainframes, for example, or ATM fraud, uh, or even physical security, uh, security kind of things. And the second one is that partners uh, are uh, able to build their own integration uh, without needing DF labs that uh, time to time may be a bottleneck. We are just 52 people at the moment. So uh, partners now, the channel partners can build their own integration. They can create their additional revenue stream and the software and the, and the sales can scale. So both technical value and business reasons. That's, that's so important in today's market as well. Because the people, you know, like myself and others that have been working in security for some time, there's only so many people like that. And there's only so many 
experts or senior security people at many organizations. And what we need as uh, sort of the senior level people is to be able to enable our SOC and enable our help desk and other areas to be able to build integrations, to be able to respond to incidents without requiring us our time in every single case. And so what you just described is absolutely so important for the market today because there are so only so many people with those skills that can actually write integrations. And by enabling it to give to your lower level analyst, you can be more effective and get a better return on your investment in a product. Yeah, I can give you an anecdote on this, if I may. Uh, uh, the average time for DF Labs to building a full integration, <clears throat> for us, a full integration is bidirectional. So we mm. don't put a, a logo on the website just because we have one API call and we call it integration. For us, it's a very uh, rigorous way to do integration. It must be directional and so forth. So before the, uh, before the framework, it took seven to 10 days to build it. Uh, now I was speaking with my CTO today and he told me about a pretty complex integration that we did with a major vendor that we are going to announce in a couple of weeks, and it took nine hours. So I asked the, my my CTO if he first of all first of all if he was joking with me that may happen time to time, uh, and second I was asking him if uh, the the integration for was full. And he said, yes, we took nine hours just to do the full bidirectional one. So even in terms of time uh, uh, to execution, for execution is going to be disruptive because as you said, Paul, if you have an incident and you don't have the integration available in a particular moment during your incident, you cannot open a, a change ticker or uh, involve your vendor with the procurement just because you need to spend X amount of money to have another integration. You need to be quick. Mm. And uh, uh, if uh, if you can integrate uh, a, an external tool, even an external tool that is part of a professional service company ecosystem, uh, you can you can better react to it. This is my opinion. No, it's awesome. And plus you're building out a community of these uh, integration points now that helps everybody, all your customers, because it now gives you a starting point for this broad set of integrations. But now you can also maybe do some customizations and tweaks that are specific to the way you want to integrate with those tools, which would just continue to speed up the ability to leverage a platform like this. Correct. And we, in the plan, we also have a, a, a relationship with universities and uh, also um, part of the government. So uh, the community edition will be open to qualified uh, um, uh, personnel. And uh, we think that uh, giving them the opportunity to learn and uh, uh, again, contribute and also exchange uh, uh, pieces of the integration or full integration or even run books between constituencies will be also uh, a, uh, an important part for the future development of uh, uh, concurrent IR, which is probably one of the trends in the next two to three years. Yeah, I, I also think that's important for the market too. I think it's gonna become yeah. easier over time to swap out various components of technology that represents your security architecture. And so you're gonna need that ease of integration into your SOAR platform. Correct. And uh, again, you can decide to build a full set or you can decide to build just one action that is uh, necessary for a particular runbook. And for example, we made an experiment, uh, just one action takes probably five to 10 minutes. So that is really changing the way SOAR is going to help 
to reduce the reaction time. Awesome. That's great. Uh, Paul, any other questions? I'm good. I just want to remind our listeners um, that they can visit dflabs.com forward slash security weekly. Uh, you can uh, register for a demo right in there and see some of the other content that we've created alongside DF Labs. Um, John Morin, in particular, has made several appearances. Um, he's shown how the Inkman product works, uh, in addition to some open source uh, tools as well. And all of that material, including a link to registering it, more information, uh, is at dflabs.com forward slash security weekly. Yes, and John uh, Moore will be on Thursday uh, as well for another technical segment. We yeah, get a double header this for, week at the F Labs. Just if I may add just a, uh, a little note, we also have a calculator available uh, um, where basically uh, uh, customers and prospects can measure and compare the manual approach to incident mm -hmm. versus the automated uh, approach to the same kind of incident, uh, plus additional calculations that CISOs can see in terms of cost reductions and exposure reduction, uh, depending from the type of incident. And that is available for free in case of contact. And I love that too, because our, our audience has to act as salespeople to go to their senior management and say, we need this tool and arming them with the evaluation and the numbers is, is certainly extremely helpful in that case. Yes, definitely. Dario, thank you for joining us on Business Security Weekly. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. And it has been a pleasure for me. Thanks, Dario. All right. We'll take a quick break and then cover the leadership and communications articles for this week.